friends of the Headhunter Lounge. We are back. No more jury duty. No many, no more adventures in Newark. It is just me. <laughs> it is just you, John. And it is Gabriel on the number three microphone. Say hi to everybody. Hi. Oh my hey, God. buddy. Uh, we are we are virtual because there is a monsoon that's blowing through Bloomfield again. Absolutely bonkers. But uh, we are here. We are we are excited. We saw I saw so many hours of movies this weekend. So many hours. So many. Like I literally just kept going. Stuff I would never even talk about on this show. But I just kept going nonstop through the movies. And here we are on the other side. And I forgot to even like listen to the new Prince album again. I feel like a failure. We'll do that oh, next no. week. But today, what are we going to talk about? So, of course, on everyone's mind, Suicide Squad, the Suicide Squad, the sequel to Suicide Squad, helmed by James Gunn, hit theaters and streaming. So we've definitely got some thoughts about that. On Amazon Prime right now, there is a documentary on Val Kilmer, the actor, which is definitely something that everyone should check out. We got some thoughts on that. Uh, Aftermath just dropped on Netflix. George saw it, and we're going to chat about that a little bit. And there's a lot going on. I know it's been a while since we've done, like, wrestling on the show but there's a lot going on on wrestling so we definitely got to talk about the state of wrestling oh my god wrestling it's just like i don't even know if it's a state of wrestling it's more just like a state of madness uh i i, I mean i don't know if i'm excited like i'm excited a little bit but i'm also like depressed a little bit you know what i mean yeah i got a lot of feelings about it got a lot of feelings uh but first i'm not gonna forget this time you made us a great cocktail tell us what it is so you know i have been you know, really like loving this book that you got me, George mystic libations. Like I normally try to come up with a theme for the night, but like today, man, as I just kept flipping through the book, like waiting to come to do the show, I was like, I found something that really tickled my fancy. It's called Judy's Druid moon. It's got nothing to do with anything we're going to talk about, but I think it sounds like a delightful cocktail. So I'm going to teach you how to make it. So Judy's Druid moon is one and a half ounces of pea flower infused Blanco tequila. So um, that is going to be something you got to set aside and do first um, because you want to get the butterfly pea flower tea and kind of mix it and let it seep in with the tequila. A half ounce of lime juice, a one ounce of pineapple juice, and an ounce of tamarind syrup, which is something that we haven't really done on the show much. Mm. Um, and you're going to combine all the ingredients into a mixing cup um, shake it and strain it over fresh ice into a tall glass and then add the infused tequila over the top of it and it's going to float on top. You're going to garnish that with a lime wheel and a little bit of pineapple fronds. Mm, so that wheel. is Julie's Druid Moon. It sounds like a delightfully light cocktail. Yeah, I, um, I'm really excited that that book in that whole uh, the, the RPG cocktail world is, is, is igniting. People keep talking about that. I'm excited to see that in other tiki worlds. And that was just a random like Kickstarter that landed my way. And you know what? I tell you, it's got a good selection of non-alcoholic cocktails. And I'm not one to imbibe in non-alcoholic cocktails, but the stuff in this book is so good, I might give it a shot. little non-alcoholic uh, D&D-flavored cocktail. I mean, I love juices, so I am I would be quite uh, happy with a mocktail if you ever wanted to make me some. I'm not, you know, I don't shy away from a, from a you know, non-alcoholic pina colada. Let me just put that out there. You know, and I'm there with you, man. But my thing is, like, if I'm going to do it, I want to be sitting in a beautiful tiki bar with some beautiful atmosphere and have someone wearing an Aloha shirt make it for me. Yeah. That's you know? what, I, hey, look, I'm not arguing there. Uh, too bad we have like no tiki bars left in uh, New Jersey. So there's that. I know. There's that. I, I do want to. We do need. I need to go to that uh, one in Jersey City. I've never actually been to the one there. I went to get 
I believe I went there to get a pickup drink order during uh, the high point of COVID, but I, I, I've not gone there as a regular Tiki patron. So I think we need to do that when things get a little bit safer out there. Absolutely. Uh, but this week, this week we uh, look, I, I want to talk about, I can't believe I'm saying this. I want to talk about a DC movie and I want to talk about a DC movie bad. Did you get hit in the head with a coconut? Are I, you I, feeling no, okay? I got, I got hit in the head with a, a Marvel movie made with a DC franchise. Like that's basically what we saw this weekend. It's kind of unreal, man. Like I had high hopes for this going into it because I really do love James Gunn and I loved everyone they had in the cast. And I mean, look, it's John Cena. So right off the bat, you know, plus one. But man, everybody in this movie was great. The story was great. It had better. It was better than it had any right to be. And it really does go to show you when like a company lets a filmmaker off the chain, you can get something really great. And we're talking about Suicide Squad. The sequel, yeah. that's not really a sequel, but it's kind of a sequel, even though there's no number two in the game. Yeah, it's definitely a weird thing. and I mean, there's a lot to talk about with that as well, because uh, David Iyer, the director of the original Suicide Squad, uh, coming out in the press and saying that there was a different vision he had for it, but it was not the vision the studio let him release. And so where it landed was a terrible movie, nigh unwatchable. However... Uh, people from the studio came out and were like, well, you know, we tested them both and there really wasn't any difference in the response. So we went with ours instead of his. So allegedly there is a director's cut of a very unwatchable movie out there, but it's got to be tough for David Iyer to watch someone take this, this idea and this, this film that you have put all your hopes and dreams into and then just make a better movie. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I loved Suicide Squad. I've never seen the first Suicide Squad. So this is coming Don't. from like, you know, the point of view of someone who, especially back when we were going to movies to see movies, see movies going to the movies to see movies, uh, I had no interest in seeing DC properties. So this back when you would go see the DC stuff and we would both partake of the Marvel and Star Wars universes. I, I would never have seen the original Suicide Squad. And then I never saw it when it was on demand because everybody said it was horrible. Like it was literally the drizzle shits. I know very little about the suicide squad other than it is a group of bad guys that are cherry picked to do, um, to do uh, wet works basically. And I, I think it's very similar to that group that venom leads in the Marvel comics. You know how they had him and a hundred percent. They did yeah. something very similar than Marvel, but I think suicide squad was really one of the first called the suicide squad because a, they will do anything. Even if it involves getting themselves killed B because they have a chip in their head that will make them explode. If they try to deviate from the course, I, Went to this movie uh, actually very excited because the early reviews were tremendous. Uh, everybody was comparing this to Guardians of the Galaxy. I would like it to be known that if you've been listening to the show for a very long time, did not love the second Guardians of the Galaxy. So even then I was a little bit wary. But I want people to know that this is less Guardians of the Galaxy. It's Guardians of the Galaxy in ensemble writing. But it is also very much Deadpool, and it is good Deadpool. And if you like Deadpool, and if you like Arnes of Galaxy, and if you like shit, if you like uh, John Cena and uh, Ildra Elba, Elba, Ildra, Ildra Elba, who I screw up his name every single time, and no, Sylvester Stallone. I screwed up so bad. And even Idris Elba. You'll, Idris Elba. I've been saying it wrong forever. I need Allison to say it right when we talk about The Wire. But uh, And Sylvester Stallone is the shark guy. Like It was so awesome to see such a, a, a fun crew of actors working together in a silly action movie. And I thoroughly enjoyed this. 
Um, what are your thoughts as a fan of the Suicide Squad? So it's a little bit of hard to explain because there is no really such thing as a fan of the suicide squad per se. Now, granted in recent years, they've had different versions of the suicide squad for those listening at home. The suicide squad debuted in the brave and the bold number 25 in September of 1959. They've been called task force X more or less, depending on who's putting out the stories at the time, or if they appear in cartoons or task force X, if it's a little more adult, they're called the suicide squad. And the suicide squad has gone through many changes throughout the years because their teammates die. And what George said in the beginning was right. These are the worst of the worst criminals. Amanda Waller, who oversees the Suicide Squad and Task Force X, is like, hey, we're going to put a chip in your brain and blow you up if you don't do what we say. But every mission you complete, we knock 10 years off the sentence of your jail time, which is a pretty cool concept in and of itself. There have been famous characters through DC Comics histories. And I mean, usually... They're like B and C tier characters, but they're like the top of the B and C tier characters like Captain Boomerang, Deadshot, you know, arguable. He's much higher, but nonetheless, um, you know, Harlequin has been in it in recent years. You have, you know, Killer Croc, lots of different characters in there, mostly Batman villains to a certain degree. But, you know, there's no there's no real like I'm a fan of this. Like, George, like if I say. Do you have a favorite Claremont X-Men team or run? You probably off the top of your head could be like, yes, it's this. Oh, very much. It's Inferno through like the Siege Perilous thing. Like, I love that era. You give There's me a- not really anything like that with the Suicide Squad. Uh... But it's a great concept. And pretty much you have a laundry list of people who could be in it because if someone dies, you just put someone else in there. And that's why I think something like this works. And the first one didn't work because they tried to build up the characters a little too much when the point of this is people just need to die. They need to die all throughout the movie or it doesn't work because otherwise it's an Avengers movie where like, you know, there's real, no, no real threat of death. So I think what you got right in the James Gunn version was that people die all the time in this movie. Mm -hmm. Like no one is really safe in the suicide squad as it should be. Like just because you're on the poster doesn't mean you're going to make it to the end of the movie. Yeah, and I liked about that. I liked that about it too. I also liked the fact that they actually gave people, even if they were in there for a short amount of time, they got their shit in. Like they oh, yeah. got enough personality that you actually like were engaged with whether they lived or if they died. And I thought it was. I th- I thought that was very interesting. I, yes, I I kind of didn't quite understand the gimmick of what they were trying to achieve. Um, I thought it was a little bit weird and wonky, a little bit Watchmen-esque. The actual comic book, not the movie, which actually did a great job of not including the gimmick at the end. But look, let's be very – this isn't really a spoiler because if you've seen the the previews, you've seen it in there. Like there's a big bad in this. It's a giant starfish kaiju creature. And Amazing. That – I don't know why. It seems to be very polarizing. Like people really don't like it. Or in my case, I really liked it. I'm a huge fan of kaiju. I'm a big fan of kaiju big battle. I love like big, ridiculous Japanese creatures. And this was like the king of them. And, you know, it like it opened up its like starfish armpits and fired out little, you know, face hugger versions of itself. I thought it was great. Um, you know, I was a little bit up till that point, I was struggling a little bit to find out what the big bad was because they were kind of like steering you into different directions. But in the end, I, I thought it was great. I thought there was a really poignant ending. Uh, this is going to be leading into a peacemaker, 
uh, HBO series that has been announced. That's not a spoiler. That is public already. I don't know whether we really need a John Cena limited series or regular series on HBO. But, you know, I'm here for it. If it's anything like what we just saw, uh, I'm excited to see how it uh, plays out. Well, and that's, you know, coming back to what I was saying before, like anything goes with this. It's the potential is endless because there there's no like, oh, I'm a big fan of Suicide Squad. It's just because you can't really like root for anyone long enough because they might not make it except for, you know, there is a Peacemaker TV series. The Starro thing it perplexes me because if you are a fan of DC Comics, Starro is the first big. Not a fan, by the way. I just want to put that asterisk right there. Footnote, not a fan. Right, but if you are a fan, Starro the Conqueror is the first big villain from the Justice League. The thing that really brought everyone together, the Flash, Aquaman, Wonder Woman, Green, like the first first real incarnation of the Justice League fought Starro the, the Conqueror. And it's something that I never thought I'd ever see in a movie, but it was one of those things like, if you're going to talk about a movie doing fan service, there is no bigger fan service than Starro the Conqueror. But, you know, people are going to find something to complain about. Like, I thought as far as delivering them to a point where they have to actually do something bigger than you'd expect them to do. You can't ask for bigger than the star of the Conqueror. So I, I'm going to watch this movie again. I'm probably gonna watch this movie three or four times because I thought it was that good. It's probably one of the best superhero movies ever made because they actually let it be a comic book movie and not like, you know, Marvel movies. Yes, they have comic book characters in them, but they are very specific. Like this is a Marvel movie. These are the beats you have to hit. This is surprising. This is exciting. And if there was a movie that was true to the comic book that it was out of, it would be The Suicide Squad every day and twice on Sunday. But then there's a lot of people who are hating it, particularly out of the DC fandom. I feel like, especially if you go on Rotten Tomatoes and you read The Trolls, it seems to be all DC fans pissed that James Gunn made a Marvel movie. Like somewhere in there, is it people who are upset that it's not like the DC movies? That's they're, what I they're don't not, understand. They're not mad about that, George. They're not mad that he made a Marvel movie. They're mad that he made a good movie. That's that's uh, that's the difference. It's just so weird. I am. I don't know. I don't know how to feel about that. All I have to say is that this did feel like a Marvel movie. Uh, I did enjoy this as a superhero movie. I thought it was funny. I thought it was ridiculous. I thought the gore and action was over the top. It was R, and it, it was really well done. I feel that I. I don't understand how it fits into the DC universe because this is part of the Snyderverse. This is attached to the Ben Affleck Batman and, you know, the Joker was seen at the end of the the Snyder cut of the Justice League. So if the Snyderverse is dead, so is this Suicide Squad. Am I right? You know, you would think that is absolutely the correct line of thinking. However, it's not dead until they actually move away from that universe, which they haven't yet, because they're making like another Shazam movie, which is very much in this universe. Like it doesn't really move away from it until they do things like Joker, until they do the new Batman movie. Like they are just trying to dance around spinning. I mean, they're they're spinning. They're 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 spinning spinning because they don't want to they don't want to make another Schneider movie, even though the whole universe pretty much hinged on what he did. They also like are in the process of being bought and sold like left and right. So there really is no ground for them to land on, you know, so I don't necessarily think that that the, the 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 Zach universe is over. I just don't think they they don't they don't have a place to land it yet or figure out or even figure out a direction because they haven't gotten done being sold yet. Yeah, because Aquaman is going to be part. Isn't there going to be a new Aquaman yes. movie? Uh, oh, yes, there is. And The Flash. It's all a part of that same universe. 
so fucking weird. But it's the, is it the same Flash that we saw in the Snyder Cut Justice League? Yes. All right. I, I look, we're not even go that round. That's a rabbit hole. I probably should, shouldn't go into. Um, did this stick at all to the uh, comic books? I'm not a fan of the comics because I hate DC comics. Did this stick to the comics? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, everything that the Suicide Squad is supposed to be, it was in this in this movie. Like no deviation from it, even the goofy costumes. Like, and again, a lot of the people who appear in this movie don't necessarily or have not appeared maybe in the comics, but you know, they they did what they were supposed to do. So, well, clearly James Gunn is a master at resurrecting C level comic book characters and turning them into A listers, because Guardians of the Galaxy were not A list comic book heroes. The same thing with this. I mean. Bloodsport. Um, Harley Quinn is, but the Suicide Squad is not. Yeah, Harley Quinn is, but it's it's not it's 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 not something that it's, she's not like a legacy character. Like she was no, created she was like much much series. later and turned into something a lot bigger, which I think is great. And I think that like when it goes down and people like look at Iron Man, they're always going to look at uh, Robert Downey Jr. I think the same thing with Harlequin now at now and forever. It's always going to be Margot Robbie in people's minds. Like Hugh Jackman is Wolverine, you know, I, but uh, I, I yeah, like tr- true to the comics. I like this significantly more than Birds of Prey, too. Yeah, different kind of movie. But yeah, I mean, this is it's, it's James. It's James going at the top of his game. Yeah. Doing doing what he does best. Like it's it's kind of Apple. It's it's, it's hard to compare to any of, of these movies because this is like amazing. Do you recommend people go see it? Absolutely. And you know, the cool thing is uh, it's on HBO Max, I think, for another 30 or 40 days before they, they pull it off the system. So uh, and that's the thing I, you know, I thought was you know kind of clever about what HBO does is instead of giving you like 45 days till it hits hits HBO, it's 45 days until it's off HBO Max and fully in the theater. So for this year, for this year, next year, they did announce that uh, HBO movies or Time Warner movies will be going into the theaters for a 45 day window. Uh, I got to say, 45 days is still a lot better than 90 day minimum. So I, you know, I'm here for it. If it's after 45 days, they go straight on demand. I, I could live with that. I honestly can, especially for more artsy movies. Uh, I also recommend Suicide Squad. I do want to, before actually, oh, I have a tangent, but I want to go there just yet. I would like to say that to anybody who's calling Suicide Squad a flop because it did not make a ton of movie money in the movies, go jump off a hill, Forbes. I mean, like, really, like, it's... Uh, it is not a flop if you are still very much in a pandemic. In the last two weeks, people have gotten a little bit nervous, especially, the, I mean, the southern half of this country is fucked right now. So you lose yeah. the whole south, um, you know, in general. If they start making a mandate, you have to wear masks in the movie theaters again. People are not going to want to go. And at the end of the day, it's it's a movie based, you know, it's a sequel to a flop. Like a flop that made a ton of money. I don't even know how to call it a flop. A movie well, that was horrible but made enough money to justify it. However, you know, it's still left a bad taste in people's mouths. So there's that. It's a hard R. I would not let your kids watch it. It definitely it's is a hard definitely R, a hard R. Even though we did watch it with Gabe, but that's another story. I'm a terrible parent. It's it there's so many things against it, but to to call it a flop because it didn't make, you know, a hundred million dollars in the opening weekend is insane. It's insane. I mean, there's you know, I'm not one who likes to make excuses, but I'm also a realist. And I think everything you said was spot on because like, look, someone like me and I would say the average person is not going to go back to the theaters to have to sit there with a mask on. Mm -hmm. Like it's, 
uncomfortable. It's not a big deal to wear a mask, but like to go to a convention, have to wear a mask all day to sit in a movie for two, three hours and have to be in a mask the entire time. Like the whole, th- whole thing about going to movies is you want to escape. Yeah. You want to relax. And if you can't go someplace to escape, why not stay the fuck home? Cause let me tell you something, man, watching it in 4k and HBO max with my sound bar and my subwoofer turned up. It was fine, you know? And like, yeah, another thing is historically most major Film companies don't want to let movies be rated R because it excludes a certain number of the population who will not let their kids go to see it. And so that's where a lot of money goes. So you're taking a chance when you're making a movie, an R-rated movie. They can't all be Deadpool, you know? And then on top of that, yeah, it definitely does hurt a movie when you could also stay home and watch it. So there's a lot of circumstances that are real circumstances that might not have let it make the most money. Because let me tell you, everyone who was going to see Suicide Squad, the first one, it sucked. Like there was none of this. You could just go to the movies and it was something that people did. So, you know, I, I think that there's a lot of clickbait now. And I think more than ever, because there is no more crazy politics stuff at the top of everyone's news feed every day. Like there's, there's gotta be clickbait and that's where we're at. That's the world we live in. So the tangent I was going to go on, good thing I remember it, uh, 824, new, uh, weird fantasy movie with green Knight is coming yeah. out. Uh, that is going to, did you hear what's going on with that? So for, I was, I heard different things, but I, I I'll heard tell they you, were doing screenings no, I'll at t- home. I'll tell you what's going on. It's not even really a screening. Well, it, they're calling it a screening, but they are going to have a 24-hour window where in that 24-hour window, you get a four-hour window to watch the movie if you pay $20. And that will be for one day only on the opening day of the movie in the theaters. And that is a very interesting approach to this. That's cool. I think that's actually cool because it gives you kind of like a date. Like it's something like it's an event again because you got to be there for this four hours. This is your window. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's and, cool, and man. And it's $20, so it's a ticket to the movies, to your own movies. Uh, it is, I think, very, very different approach. Now, A24 is obviously a little more of an art house. We're going to talk about, actually, that's a perfect lead into Val, because I didn't even realize that was an A24 movie. Um, and, you know, this is uh, Green Knight. Again, we'll, we'll talk about that tonight. We'll probably review it. I think it's next week it comes out, maybe the week afterwards. But uh, it, it, very interesting. I don't think they've done an A24 fantasy movie before. So I'm curious to see how they do that. But God knows, uh, Val, wow, 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 wow. I, um, I got to be honest with all of you. I have often wondered what happened to Val Kilmer. Like me too. It does. It, like I think about it a lot. I mean, Val Kilmer was on top of his game, and then he made the Saint, and then he like vanished. And they, you know, I, I was always like, what happened to him? Like he was on his way to being the A star of A star A list stars, and then he kind of like got eaten by like Brad Pitt, who looked a lot like him. To be fair, and you know, you heard about Val Kilmer being difficult to work with. And then he just disappeared and I never heard of him again. And I was always wondering where he was. It was just like the level of drop. From, it was like Enzo and Cass in WWE. Like they Ooh, just call. vanished from the face of this earth. And I did often wonder, especially anytime we would talk about Batman, we talk about, you know, Batman forever. It's just like, what happened to Val Kilmore? Well, this answers it. I mean, there is a documentary that just got released. It's on Amazon Prime, which kudos to Amazon. They get like the best documentaries. I also would say that this movie is not actually a documentary as much. It's more of a narrated uh, home videos, um, but done very well. That sounds really boring, 
but it's it's not. Somehow they edited this so it works and it hits all the sad strings and all the happy strings and all the things in between. Val Kilmer, for those that don't know, was struck with some sort of throat cancer. Uh, he has had his uh, voice box either deactivated or removed. I don't know how that works. And now has to speak through a tube. Uh, it's very difficult to understand him. And he seems to, you know, have, uh, he's, you know, just continuing his life to trying to be Val Kilmer, but obviously not being able to, uh, perform as an actor. And I think this happened in the last few years and, and this is his story. Basically he's explaining for those of us who wonder what happened to Val Kilmer, this is a story of what happened to Val Kilmer. You know, it's interesting because I often thought like whatever happened to Val Kilmer too, and it definitely went down a rabbit hole on IMDb trying to figure this out because, you know, we've talked about this on the show before where there's a certain point where you're not on the marquee anymore and you have to cycle out to do other things like, you know, someone like a Will Smith who is for all intents and purposes, not exactly what you consider like the marquee actor right now still will get asses out of seats whenever he comes around and gets off the bench. But, you know, you can't stay on the top just like in pro wrestling, you can't stay on the top forever. You know, you're going to have to shuffle down to the mid card and go do some other stuff. But, you know, after he did um, before he did uh, the Saint, I mean, he did. He was Batman. He did Heat. Mm-hmm. He was in the island of Dr. Moreau, which was terrible, which is terrible. So it, he's consistently going downhill until he gets to the Saint and the Saint kind of. I, I want to say, you know, kind of killed his career a little bit. But however, I mean, he did do a bunch of other things and appear in different TVs. He was, um, you know, in different movies and stuff like that, kind of in and out of the public eye until 2005, where he did Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, uh, where he was gay Perry. Like, and it was a Shane Black movie. Now, Shane Black, dude who did the Monster Squad, dude who wrote the original Predator, Lethal Weapon, all these other great movies. Uh, it's a detective movie with Robert Downey Jr. and Val Kilmer. Uh, fantastic. If you have not seen Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, I highly recommend it to you. But that was 2005. And then from there, TV appearances, B movies, C movies, you know, scattered here and there, never really getting back up to that that level again. So you kind of just, you would see him popping up and stuff. You're like, Oh shit, that's Val Kilmer. But that was, that's kind of all it was, you know, did some voice work, this and that, uh, did a tenacious D video. Like that's, (laughs) that's where he was at. Uh, and it's kind of interesting to see all of this stuff and kind of where he is now, because until he got throat cancer, dude, I didn't, I didn't hear about anything, you know, where it was, where was Val Kilmer. So what was, what he was doing was, uh, this very, very odd, uh, art art house uh, v- one man show where he was Mark Twain, which is just insane. On, like on paper, it was just kind of bonkers. And even watching him trying to do this uh, was very strange. They didn't really show. Uh, they showed a lot of him setting up for it, but I never quite understood what exactly we were trying to see. And I think this was building up towards. I think he was trying to do these one man shows to finance a a docudrama type thing about Mark Twain, and and then he did get throat cancer uh, while he was shooting while he was making this. Uh, what I love about this is it does talk about his you know him from his. Uh, origins, his you know his early life, all the way through, and what what I found very stunning about this movie was that it basically showed us that he he went to Juilliard, so he was at like the number one acting school in the world, and that is an artist school, and they show in this that like Sean Penn is there, like top name people who are like actors, actors are in this, and I feel like 
Val Kilmer was like that. He like loved the art of acting and was like truly like entrenched in it. The problem was, for better or worse, he was very pretty. And I feel like that caused him to never really get out from under. I just am a pretty actor who does pretty boy parts. And he kept, you know, he also used to take them. So things like The Saints and things like Batman, things like uh, Top Gun. Like these are movies where it doesn't really allow him to show his acting chops, but he's pretty. So he lands this, you know, he play, he fills a role. And he says that during Batman. I think Batman kind of what crushed him because while, while uh, you know, people like, um, like uh, the Riddler, whoever, I forgot, uh, what's his name? Played the Riddler. Help me here. Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey. Some of the other people in that movie truly were allowed to write their own scripts. He was just, you're playing Batman, you play the park, you wear the mask. And I felt bad for him. But, you know, it, it, it's like someone like a Brad Pitt, who I feel also went through this a little bit, was able to command. Like, he's like, I want to do a, a weird movie. I will do a 12 Monkeys. Like, I want to do a weird movie. I will do... Like he he was able to actually control his destiny a little bit. I feel like when Val Kilmer tried to do that, he came off as difficult to work with. And they do talk about that through this. They do, but I mean, the reason why he was a bad Batman is because he's a really good actor, mm-hmm. and that's the that's the thing. And like you know, throughout Wait, this, like, the real I, and to be fair, I, I don't think he was a bad Batman. I just think that movie was just like too like bloated. I mean, bloated to you know, the, the walls pop off, but like, you know, he was, he, he had to be very muted in it, but you watch him through this movie, you watch the different things that he does, the different ways he was acting, especially the Juilliard stuff and whatever. And you're like, wow, the dude has chops and you're right. He is more than just a pretty face, uh, you know, and it's hard. I mean, it's, you know, as you're a commodity when you're up in Hollywood and you're an actor and you kind of need to do certain things to be able to afford to do other things. And that's why like, yeah, he's, raise the money to do the Mark Twain thing. Like, because even though you're Val Kilmer and even though you've done all this stuff, it's like, well, what have you done lately? And why am I going to give you money to do it? You know what I mean? I feel like you almost know that he knows that he's too pretty for what he wants to do. Cause in the Mark Twain thing, he literally puts on this, uh, the prosthetic face and nose and the amount of like makeup he has to do to get into that outfit every night it, to make him look ugly. He plays <laughs> an old Mark Twain and you almost feel like he needs to separate himself from, from what he, who he is, what he looks like to be the actor he wants to be. And it's very sad. I mean, the movie is, the movie is not a happy movie. Like I'm not gonna, this is a feel bad movie only because I mean, at the end of the day, he now has to support himself by by doing signings and 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 autograph signings at like comic cons and yeah. that's sad i mean it is sad because you never hear about major actors having to retire to then do the signing circuit and major actors we're not in you know, like we've seen a million things where like the guy who plays the mike Myers suit like is at a comic con like we see that all the time but do you see a list celebrity you'll never see george clooney signing at a, at a comic con like it's never gonna happen yeah uh, no and, and in this case you know we're used to rest wrestlers that's their retirement plan like for wrestlers their retirement plan is like i'm gonna retire i'm gonna do autograph signings and photo of like like photo ops and just cash that in for the rest of my life because I mean, if you don't think the Undertaker is going to be doing that, you're nuts. But for for someone like Val Kilmer, that's a huge crushing ego trip. And on top of that, I mean, he's literally lost his voice, and it, it, it's it's sad. Luckily, he does have his family, and he does have his you know his kids. I think he like lives like in a du- duplex with his 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 daughter. It, it's really nice to see who he is. It looks like he's trying to be upbeat about it, but you know, it, it's still. 
it's still sad. And the good thing is, obviously, this doesn't lead to like, it's not like he's gone. He's still with us. It's just, and he, from all intents and purposes, he was able to cure the cancer pretty quickly. It's just left him with, I think they even say it, the option to eat or talk. Yeah. He, he chose to eat. Yeah, I would choose to eat. I, I would choose it, to eat. It ravages too. vocal cords. Just fucking destroyed him. I mean, when I first saw the trailer for this, and I, I was kind of like half paying attention to it, I was like, wow, he sounds really good. I was like, he, he sounds really good for having had like throat cancer. And then I find out that it's his son who's doing all the narration. And his son sounds just like him. And it's just so like weird. Him. It's so weird. Do you know what Allison told me this? You know who we always think should play his son if they actually had to do a, a movie of him? Or Don't not his man, son. Not, pretty enough. not his son. He, even him, if they want to do a young Val Kilmer, it's the kid from Karate Kid. Oh, right. Yeah, like that, dude. I thought that was his son. I mean, that guy looks just like him. It's so weird. He's like 20 years old, but he looks just like Val Kilmer. And I don't know that that's just I, I thought that was kind of funny. But I look it's on Amazon Prime. I recommend it. I know you are very anti documentaries. Do you agree that this is not like a typical documentary? It's not. It's a biography. It's not. a. It's it's now granted. I, I think, you know, there's there's something to be said about this. And it's actually something I want to bring up because um, he shows you like how much archival footage he has from everything he's ever done. He's always yes. had the camera out. And I mean, like, you know, back when he was doing that, that wasn't like a thing because you actually had to have a video camera. Now, I think, you know, celebrities are a lot more used to constantly having them cells being filmed because of the advent of like the iPhone and like the, the camera on your phone and stuff like that. But like for him to still have all of this stuff. And if you look at the IMDB of it, um, so many great actors are in this documentary just because he has archival footage of them from when they work together. Yeah. But he literally just shot all his life and, and either him or one of his brothers, uh, someone was shooting and it's, it is the stuff from Dr. Moreau where he was just like, it was just, just a miserable experience and he kept shooting and he wouldn't stop shooting until that he actually had to perform to the uh uh anger of his director and i just thought some of that for the marlon brando stuff was just incredible so there's i some, mean to have footage of brando yes right now come on really really cool stuff so definitely i i highly recommend it. it's been an hour and a half and it's it's very well done it is not boring i got worried at first that it was going to be similar to the there was a Kurt Cobain documentary in the early aughts that was very much just his also his like camera footage the stuff he had shot but it was done just set to music and it was really boring and I was afraid this would be like that this is not like that this is a true biography and if you've ever wondered what happened to Val Kilmer this is a this is a good way to find out I highly recommend this movie. Yeah, absolutely. And it is a biography movie. It's not it's it's a document. It's documentary style. But the, the reality of it is it's just them just honestly telling the story of his life and where he's been. And it, they're, they're really not glamorizing it, man, because it's it's sad. You're going to get some feels when you watch this movie. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of movies about feels, um, I I love horror movies and that's just the way I am. So I, I tend to watch as long as it's got like semi decent reviews, I will watch anything and in this case i was I, we hadn't talked about watching this but I, w- I was up and i need to watch something and aftermath was getting a lot of buzz in the indie indie blogs about how this is like the scariest thing on netflix right now so i'm like let me try this out it's a haunted house film it's a haunted it's actually right up your alley i think you would really enjoy this i wish i got on your ass to watch it but uh, i found it late in the game but aftermath on netflix 
is about a, a husband and wife who buy a house on a, it's a murder death house. It's very similar to the next door neighbors of, of Josh Goldfarb, <laughs> our good friend. Like it's a murder death house and uh, the, the, the husband kills the wife and then kills himself and they blow their brains out. It's all over the place. And it's just, that's it. It opens up with like a, a crime scene cleaning crew, cleaning up the brains and stuff. And it's like, okay, they got to sell the house. It's a really, really nice, like modern, like uber fancy. It's got a pool. Like I'm like, oh, I'd live in this. And it's like sold for really cheap. And this husband and wife who aren't doing too well in their marriage buy it. She cheated on him. He can't have sex with her because he just feels dirty and he can't get over it. And he, on a whim, buys her this house. She's not happy that he bought her the murder death, the murder suicide house. But, you know, she's like, all right, we'll try this out. And like weird stuff starts. So this is based on a true story, but I haven't really dug deep enough to find out how true this true story is. But they, um, you know, he starts, she starts seeing shit. Like she starts seeing shit pretty quickly. Like there's a skinny guy in the house, skinny, really pale, skinny guy roaming around, touching her at night. Like it's really, really, you know, it's a haunted house movie. And like nobody else sees this thing. It's really just her. Uh, but she keeps experiencing weird, weird stuff. And then her sister, who happens to be a meth head, comes to watch their dog. And then she disappears. But they don't think anything about it because they're like, well, she's a meth head. She's probably just doing meth again. And so they ignore the fact that the sister disappeared. And then things get weird. They keep calling the cops. The cops stop believing them. Someone keeps like, you know, like doing really fucked up things to him, like lighting their car on fire and, um, and, and saying like putting up stuff on websites saying that, that the person who owns the house is a white supremacist. What? Yeah. It's really gets very serious. And you're like wondering, well, is this an evil or is this a human? Cause like, I don't know that many ghosts that go on Facebook and put that you are a white supremacist and that you like, are want to have KKK meetings at your house at a haunted house. Like it's just, I don't know where this is going. And like, it starts going there. It just starts getting weirder and weirder. And you might find out that like, I just don't want to spoil anything for anybody, but I also kind of just want to ruin it. Like I really want to ruin this movie, but I don't want to. So I'm like stuck right now. Like there is a twist that is so far fetched and weird that towards the end, I'm like, what the fuck is going on? But I also was like, this is weird enough where I'm coming here for kind of here for it, even though it is kind of dumb. And, um, and it, it led me to want to watch people under the stairs. So I'm going to leave it at that. So because of that, I was like, I want to see another movie where something like this could happen. I watched people under the stairs yesterday, which is possibly the strangest horror movie I've ever seen. And by the way, when I first saw people under the stairs, I thought that movie was a horror movie, not a uh, spoof of a horror, like kind of like a sarcastic approach to a horror movie. And I felt it hit some of the notes this one does, except this movie is not funny. I also don't know if it's good, but I feel like maybe you guys should all watch it just to see skinny white guy roaming around a house, touching a person. This is aftermath on Netflix people. That's the best I can do. This is why I need to watch movies that you watch too, or else it turns into this rant. No, I get it. And I actually, you, you got me like a little too late for me to be able to watch it, but I'm definitely going to watch this movie. Uh, I am excited because we also got news that uh, Jordan Peele is going to be doing her people under the stairs. That's remake. the surprise lead into this. I think that's right up his alley. Cause I didn't realize much like Candyman. I didn't realize when I was a kid, that Candyman was like such a strong black horror movie. Like I didn't realize that like way before Jordan Peele was doing like get out and like 
us. Like he, like there were movies like Candyman and People Under the Stairs. People understand Under the Stairs, by the way, is a movie of a, a, a young black family who, like, the mother's dying of cancer. They can't afford their home in the projects. These like white horrible people who are like slumlords are trying to get rid of everybody out of this crack house so that they can uh, knock it down and turn to condos or something, a strip mall. I don't know. And like they basically try to break into the kid and uh, this guy who might be his dad, but I'm not sure who it is. They break into the 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 slumlord's mansion to try to. Um, steal a treasure or something. There's a treasure map. And then they find out that under the basement, uh, there are uh, gimps. Is that a proper, maybe I shouldn't use that word. I don't know what they're called. Like, you know, when you wear like the mask and like the zippers, what is that called? I don't know what that's called. I don't know what the proper nomenclature is for that I, in 2021. I, I but I mean, in, yeah, in when, yeah. this, when this movie came out in 1991, which by the way, this is a Wes Craven movie. So it is a kind of a horror comedy, but also very high social commentary at the same time. Yeah, and 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 it just gets weird from there. This movie that I just saw, Aftermath, not quite as poignant, definitely not a social commentary, but let's just say the reveal at the end, I didn't see it coming, and then I had to watch people under the stairs. So there you go, everybody. Let's talk about wrestling. Oof, yeah. Um, anybody who can, doesn't like wrestling can turn us off now, but, you know, if Mike Random's out there or Don Becker – Welcome to stay down or stay on. Uh, look, it has been a very, very strange couple of months in professional wrestling. The pandemic has just like made everything very weird. Uh, as you all know, there's like three real federations left, maybe four if you can't com- can count the Japanese one that nobody watches anymore. But uh, there is in America, WWE, the World Wrestling Entertainment Federation, whatever. There, that is still the leading top ranking wrestling federation in the world. Uh, but you have an upstart right now in AEW All Elite Wrestling, which is like all the cool kids, all the indie darlings, all the fun. It's the, it is the cool kid show. And uh, then there's Impact, which just kind of like exists. It's there. It, like it's like a feeding ground for AEW. I can't quite figure out what Impact's role is right now, except to pick up the people that neither AEW or, or WWE want anymore. But it it's it exists. It exists. It's still there. And those are the main TV program. I mean, I don't think New Japan even has a TV show anymore in America. But those are like the three main things to watch. And in the last couple of months, WWE, who is somehow bathing in money during the pandemic like they're not doing shows live they're not doing house shows they didn't have a wrestlemania but they are still cutting these billion dollar deals to get on uh different applications and on channels and networks and licensing deals it's it's crazy yet in the last year they have laid off over a hundred wrestlers i believe is the crazy number i've seen 110 maybe and most recently some major stars like bray wyatt and and braun Strowman and just just uh Alistair Black, who was in the middle of a, a lot of people who were in like the middle of a storyline were just axed. And it's just, what is going on? And a lot of people are saying that uh, WWE is finally grooming itself for a sale. They hired a new CFO and they hired a chief revenue officer, which they never had before. So there is a crazy focus on uh, laser, you know, lasering in on like just the bottom line. And there's most recently has been an edict that they're looking to go back to the big giant steroid beasts of the past and doing more cartoony crap, uh, which has led a lot of fans like myself and maybe you to watch the competition. And the competition is not, you know, just laying back and letting it happen. They are, AW is hiring up 
the best of the best that is currently on the market. And they are expanding and they have TNT and TBS by the, behind them. And we are right now seeing a renaissance that we haven't seen in a very long time. But at the same time, I'm kind of sad because, you know, for me, WWE is my Marvel Comics. And, and I'm watching it kind of like fall on its sword a little bit and and it's 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 kind of sad but at the same time i i have found that AEW, particularly dynamite on wednesday nights is must see tv now because you don't know what the hell is going to happen i think that's true and i think that AEW has been really striving to put out a quality product since their inception and continuing to get better month over month you know it's interesting because there is a lot of different places for wrestlers to land and there has been a lot of people released on the wwe new japan is still huge it's just not in america not 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 as visible in america because the bullet club isn't as visible in america because all those dudes are in AEW now but however you know it's still a viable place for wrestlers to go you know you do have AEW, you have nwa which is kind of floating on the outskirts i think ring of honor is still a thing i I haven't heard about it but i also heard they closed not a thing but like still there are enough places like even like gcw like a lot of places where wrestlers can go and still wrestle and still make a living and keep themselves in some kind of spotlight. Whereas even 10 years ago, it was just WWE and that was really it. Now there are places where a lot of these people can go and the people who are the top ones can now go to someplace like an impact wrestling. And maybe they were kind of struggling to stay on top in WWE, but they could be the top dog in impact, which, you know, it might not be a bad thing in 2021. You know, going into 2022, because really there is only so much room in AEW, but, you know, it seems like they want to play nice with. And that's something, too, you know, I think we need to talk about is that, you know, they make the joke about the forbidden door being open. Like AEW has people coming on from every single major or semi-major federation to wrestle on one of their shows here and there. Like they work with people from Impact, they work with people from New Japan. You know, they've had people come up from GCW. Like I'm sure they, I think they had like someone from Ring of Honor pop up at one point. Like they have people coming up from the NWA. Like they're playing with everybody, and it really does become must see TV because you really don't know who's going to show up, and you're gonna see and get exposed to different wrestlers from different federations and different organizations. Whereas 10 years ago you had, if they were not in the WWE, they were nowhere. Yeah. I, I, I mean, for me, I'm talking about from a fan's perspective, I don't really give a shit about wrestlers and where they go. I mean, in all honesty, uh, for me, it's more like the storyline, what keeps me engaged, what keeps me sports entertained. And right now it is a W I mean, we're not talking about like you know, job market. I'm talking more about like week to week. What do you enjoy watching? And right now I need to see the, 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 the weekly challenges of Jericho and what, you know, what is going to be thrown at him by MJF. I want to see what will CM Punk show up next week in Chicago. I want to see if Brian Danielson finally makes his appearance on the independent scene. Like is Brock Lesnar coming to AEW? That is what's keeping me watching this. And, and the fact is, WWE hasn't done much of anything for me since the fiend went away. Well, no, I get that. What I'm, I guess I'm, I'm kind of arguing the, the other side of the coin, which is now you have a lot of these great people who we liked who actually have the opportunity to maybe get in something good storyline and have other things to sports entertain us instead of just like, well, they were running really hot in WWE for a while and now they stopped doing the fashion police. You know what I mean? Like now you have the opportunity to see people who are like, oh, they were awesome, but now they can be even more awesome with actual time to like tell these stories. Do you see WWE fall into second place? I think we do. I think that 
I don't know if they're going to stay there, but I think it's coming. I think that, you know, as much as they have to operate to a certain degree of casual fan and in, in bringing people into it, I think if they really are sinking NXT and they've really taken it out of the hands of Triple H and Shawn Michaels, any kind of fan goodwill, like diehard fan goodwill that they had is going to be gone. So they're going to be relying on trying to get new fans in with these big beefed up dudes. And maybe it'll work, maybe it won't. But I think AEW is going to eclipse them for a little while at least. And then, you know, it'll be back to business as usual, WWE. Or they're going to get sold. I think they're priming it to sell, man. I, I don't disagree with you. I think it's just uh, my feel is they're priming it. I just don't know if Vince McMahon knows what his company is actually worth. I think my, I, think, I, I could see him being like, I want $1 trillion. <laughs> oh, it's going to be ridiculous. It's going to be some like Dr. Evil kind of money up for inflation. You know, the one thing I don't think that AEW has is the brand recognition that WWE has because AEW and none of these other federations have WrestleMania or a SummerSlam or a Royal Rumble. We're like, it's a paper and, and granted, you know, a little bit of grace coming up in the pandemic era. Like it, how are you going to build up to something like that? If you can't actually do shows until recently, but still like people know every year, January Royal Rumble, April WrestleMania, you know, August SummerSlam, like you, you have destinations, throughout the year that like none of these other federations have, and they're going to need to build up their, their, their process to get to those. Otherwise it's, you know, it's, it's still going to be uphill battle versus the, the brand that is WrestleMania. I mean, what sign are they going to point to if they don't have an event like that? <laughs> and all out, it does not scream WrestleMania. I, I'm very curious to see, um, what's going on with NXT. For those who don't know, NXT laid off a whole bunch of wrestlers recently and laid down the edict that they are more, they're going to be for younger wrestlers. They're, they're going to be for a younger audience with younger wrestlers. They pretty much laid off anybody over 30 that wasn't a mega star on the show and are, are changing the whole dynamic of the show. Now, NXT is the original, um, kind of like the indie leagues for WWE, the training grounds for WWE. It got popular enough where they ended up making it a flagship show. It did not do as well uh, up against AEW on Wednesday nights. It's been put back on a different night, and they are now treating it like the like poor bastard stepchild. And it's kind of sad because... In the end of the day, NXT is what got me back into wrestling. When I first got back to wrestling in 2015, I did not quite understand what was going on in on the main roster, but I, it was nice to be able to like focus on five main guys in NXT, and I loved it. And NXT takeovers are, you know, what I look forward to every single quarter whenever they have them. And to see that this might get bastardized is, is kind of sad. The good thing is a lot of the people I love from NXT are going to be in AEW where they're giving us a chance to breathe. The only thing I don't love about AEW is their, their obsession with the past in WCW. And look, I was a WWE fan. Marvel was my WWE. DC was my WCW. I did not like WCW. I don't like anything that calls back to WCW. I just wish, uh, I, I wish it was more ECW they would focus on, but like, that's the only thing that, that annoys me a little bit, but I get the lineage with Dusty Rhodes and his son, Cody, who's pretty much running this thing. Uh, last week we saw, uh, an amazing, uh, five minute match between Alistair Black and Cody. Um, do you think this is the end of Cody Rhodes career? I don't think so. I, th I think maybe he's at a point where he's going to hit pause and he's going to go do some TVs and go do some movies. He's going to do so some you stuff. Don't but think he's going to run the back. You don't think he's going to be like president. Oh, I mean, I think he's going to be doing that as well, but I, I don't, 
I don't I don't see him stopping. I don't think he's done yet. I definitely don't think he's done. But I think, you know, he just had a baby and maybe it's time to go like hang out and be there for his kid a little bit. And then he's going to come back. Man. See, I thought he was just like, I can't be the top wrestler and a booker. And I'm going to run the show from behind the scenes. And that's why I'm retiring. That's why I'm But I thought it was an ring. angle because they went and they, they had Black kick his ass. Like, I know. I know. The in the ring. But then he removed the other boot afterwards when it went dark and said thank you to the fans. So I'm curious to see where this goes. Maybe it's one last program. I don't know. We've seen the boots get left in the ring before, most notably by The Undertaker after the match with Brock Lesnar. So you are right. I'm not sure. Or wait, no, the match with Roman Reigns. And they yeah. came back and did the horrible matches in Saudi Arabia. But I, I'm very curious to see where that goes. Do you think we're going to see CM Punk, Daniel Bryan, and Brock Lesnar in AEW? I think CM Punk and Daniel Bryan, yes. I think Adam Cole as well. I don't know about Brock Lesnar, man. I think at the end of the day, Vince will spend any amount of money to keep Brock from going to AEW. I, and honestly, I don't want to see Brock Lesnar in AEW. <laughs> Brock Lesnar, like, there, there's, you know, I get it. Like, he's, he's this big attraction, and that's cool, but, like, Anytime you have a dude you're really rooting for and he comes along, it's just like, well, this dude that I've spent all this time with and I really want them to be awesome is just going to get squashed. And then that's it. Like, dude, look what they did. Kofi Kingston. Perfect example, bro. Everyone was hype. Everyone was so happy for Kofi. The WrestleMania, when he won, the entire place erupted. People were happy. We were there crying. And then, you know what, a few, a couple months later, well, now he's going to fight Brock Lesnar. And I'm like, well, I guess that's it because he is the champion. He's worked so hard. He fought all these people in a single night to get to the point where he earned it. And then Brock was just like, and now you're dead. Like, what's the fucking point? I mean, it was the same thing with Kevin Owens and Brock Lesnar. Or was it Kevin Owens and Goldberg so they can set up Brock Lesnar versus Goldberg? Something like that. Yeah. It was a stupid squash match. I would prefer to see Brock Lesnar than Goldberg. I mean, at this point. That's where I'm at right now. I don't want to see either of them. Just stay WWE. Let Vince back up the truck. You're big. Yeah, I am. I'm curious where that goes. I feel like Brock Lesnar doesn't care enough to go to AEW. No, because he knows he knows Vince is going to just give him whatever he wants, and he doesn't have to. He doesn't have to do much. There's nothing expected of him. He shows up. He lets Paul Heyman talk. He wrestles for less than ten minutes four times a year, and, and then gets back on his jet and flies home. Like he never sleeps over. You know what I mean? Like he's, it's fine. Now, Adam Cole's a weird one because, again, his contract ended. He's kind of on a bonus contract, if that handshake deal, until SummerSlam. So he can do one last big match at TakeOver. Uh, I don't know about him. I know there was rumors that he met with Vince McMahon this week and all the writers, and they kind of threw everything at him. It'll be interesting to see if you know he wants to be the Shawn Michaels amongst all these giants. I mean, look how it worked out for Daniel Bryan. I mean, Daniel Bryan... CM Punk was being groomed to be what Daniel Bryan became. That whole WrestleMania storyline, WrestleMania 30, where he like had to beat Triple H, and then he ended up beating, uh, I don't know who it was, Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar, I believe, to become the heavyweight champion by the end of the night. That was all for CM Punk. And CM Punk took his ball and left, and, and Daniel Bryan got it. So I'm curious to see now with a hole left by Daniel Bryan and so many other people if Adam Cole might think that he's now being groomed to fill that role. You know, I would think that if it were not after like a hundred and something other people got let go and with NXT getting gutted and pulled away from Triple H, like, yeah, they might promise you this stuff, but you got to know better if you're Adam Cole. You got to sit there and be like, yeah, they're going to promise me all this shit and they're going to lock me down for like five years and then I'm going to be doing jobs. Like, 
Whereas like I was the big fish in this pond. Now I can go be a huge fish somewhere else where they're not going to just say, Hey, no more midgets, no more people over 30. Like that's the edict that they put out. I know. Like I, know. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think it's smart money for him to stay. The The only reason I would say it is, is because AW also has a lot of people that look like Adam Cole. And I feel like Adam Cole is a little bit different in the WWE right now. If he is allowed to shine and if he's allowed to have the role of being like the David versus Goliath, it could work. It's is, is Vince willing to give the ball to someone that doesn't look like Drew McIntyre or Bobby Lashley or Roman Reigns right now? And I don't know the answer to that. I don't think there is an answer to that. Well, I know that there probably was a lot of promises made and I think Adam Cole's not stupid. Uh, I'm just, you know, I, I'm curious to see where that goes. I mean, as far as the layoffs in NXT, I mean, none of them were shocking. I kind of want to see Mercedes Martinez have a freaking run somewhere. But other than that, I mean, it is what it is. I love Bobby Fish, but Bobby Fish has been injured for like five years. So, yeah, you know, there's only so much we get out of that. And that is meant to be the performance center. So, the, you know, not everybody makes it. I I am very curious about where Bray Wyatt ends up. I mean, I would love to see him in AEW. I also would love to see him in New Japan. I think he could work with that kind of crazy demon character. Uh, I'm, you know, Barry Wind. He's Barry Windham's son. He could really go anywhere Whatever. and work. And he has such an eye for creativity that even though he's obviously going to lose the name Bray Wyatt and The Fiend, he could resurrect that anywhere and it would be awesome. I'm I'm very curious. I feel like AEW still needs big guys, and they still, um, you know, I feel like they still need some giants to separate all these these high flyers and and these technical wrestlers from the from the pack. And I'm not a fan of big wrestlers, but like I just feel like they need them. And they got like Big Show and Mark Henry, but they really are like bookers. And yeah, they're, not, they're just bookers. Yeah. I mean, you know what? I had one more thought about the Adam Cole thing. Like, why would he go to be the the guy like that up in WWE? They already have Finn Balor and they have Seth Rollins. They have like people who aren't beefcakes that are like fulfilling those roles. You are correct. But I feel like Finn Balor uh, and Seth Rollins can't speak like Adam Cole can speak. I feel like Adam Cole is the perfect like like Shawn Michaels, like second coming. I agree, but I think he, I, man, I, I hope he doesn't stay. I hope he goes somewhere I, else. I don't know. I'm just, let him do his thing. I'm just playing devil's advocate with that one. I just don't know if he is. I just feel like there are so many Adam Coles in AEW. I feel like there aren't a ton in WWE. It's just, is are they willing to take a chance with an Adam Cole? I mean, obviously they are for Vince to give a shit. I think Vince also might be doing that because he's afraid he's going to pull a uh, uh, Jeff Jarrett, but it doesn't look like Adam Cole has any interest in doing that. I mean, he's staying to finish off and do whatever he wants to do. You know, maybe he does a short-term contract with them. Uh, you know, maybe it's another year to see where this nets out. Uh, I don't know. But uh, it is interesting that Vince picked him when he just laid off Bray Wyatt and Braun Strowman. And he's, like, terrified of Adam Cole leaving. Isn't that weird? I don't know, man. It's it, it's hard to get into the mind of one Vince Kennedy man. Like, he's a, an enigma wrapped in a puddles, puzzle box, wrapped in a mystery. Like, I feel like... Right now, they're at a point where if you put on a boo-boo face, you're gone. Like, if you don't want to be there, leave. I feel like that's where they are right now. And, I, you know, Adam Cole, I don't think he's like that. I don't think he has a boo-boo face. I mean, there's no way you could say Adam Cole has not been treated right. Right? I mean, who's saying he's been – like, he has literally been – they just finished doing the un, the the undisputed, like, gimmick 
like that was incredible. That was like years of build out. And, you know, he's been in, 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 he's been in Survivor Series. He's been Royal Rumble. Like, yeah, he hasn't been given a shot at the main card yet, which is fine. But to say he hasn't been treated well is kind of, that's not really true either. No, I've not, he's been treated great. I've, I'm not disputing that. I just, I just think that he's going to, he, he, what the deal he's about to make with a devil has got to be one that he's going to be in for a long time. So I'm curious. I just think there is a 50 50 chance he stays. I don't think it's his done deal. Look, his girlfriend is in AEW. She is the champion. I definitely has the doors open. I just feel like, like, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll see how much money gets thrown at him, too. I mean, that, that's not, uh, that's not, we can't ignore that portion of it, too, and just, you know, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm very curious to see where this goes. I can see TK backing up the truck. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, for me, I know we're trying to wrap the segment, but like AEW seems like a better option because you can still go wrestle everywhere else and go make more money. True, so. true. I could, like, uh, you know, for me, it's like, would less than Adam Cole and more a Sami Zayn. I think Sami Zayn, Zayn, someone who's like, what are they doing with you? But clearly, Vince loves Sammy and Kevin Owens because they are always in the mix. Like, mm-hmm. ba- Bailey did not get a WrestleMania moment, but fucking they threw Sammy Zayn versus Kevin Owens just to, like, make them happy on the bill with no storyline. That's crazy. They didn't need to have that match, but Vince clearly likes them for some reason and you know good for them i don't know we'll see what happens with adam cole i'm very excited to see where wrestling goes i do suggest that if you don't watch AEW, check out dynamite they've been doing this again this challenges of jericho thing where uh you know the first like last week he fought uh he fought no the week before he fought uh what's his name from gcw which was uh, nuts, the yeah guy. For, first week was sean spears second week was uh nick gage third week was hooventude hooventude guerrero the juice is loose and then uh you know this week it's fighting wardlow i think they're trying to do a surprise every other week which is cool uh i'm i i think if i were booking this i would make brock lesnar to be the last challenge yeah i don't know man i i can't i can't i'm so excited to see where they go with this it's crazy you know also like man like you know one of the cool things that they do is they they bring back old storylines like you know the juice was like hey man you know, so many years ago, you took my mask. Now tonight, I take your career, and it's just like, whoa, you can do that now. You can say stuff like that because you know we acknowledge that stuff happened in the past. Yeah, and uh, the juice was also pretty terrible back then too. Uh, oh yeah, that was not a great match. The Nick Gage one was far better, but I, I love the storyline. I love the building here. I like I like everything about it. So I'm very excited for that. I'm excited to see what might be the last traditional NXT so takeover. So if you're a fan of NXT, definitely check out the next takeover. I'm surprised SummerSlam's on a Saturday. We'll see what goes on there. But uh, look, I I think this is a good but kind of scary time for wrestling. And if you are looking to get into something new, again, AEW would be perfect for you. And uh, that's all I got. Uh, How can the kids reach you? You can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at John McGuire RPG. I will be posting more. I'm actually going to go on a couple day uh, adventure. So I will post pictures. I'm going to be doing stuff, promoting my game. 321 Action presents Rocket to Russia. George, where people find you? When am I getting? You said stuff's gone out, but I haven't gotten shit yet. Where's my 321 Rocket to Russia? It's so weird because people in California have gotten it, but people like down the road haven't gotten it yet. So hopefully soon. You know I did, you didn't I have to, it out. You know you didn't have to waste a stamp, right? I know, but it, it's, it's probably it's gonna get destroyed in my mailbox. You could like hand process. deliver it to me, like a signed version. 
Well, I will. Ha- I will gladly hand deliver you a version, but like I was hoping that it would have just taken like a day to get there, but it, apparently not. <laughs> it's all good. Uh, you can reach me at GLK Creative on Instagram and Twitter. You can reach me at cultofgeorge.com. Uh, we have my Thai Happy Hour Instagram. We can find all our old episodes at mytaitv.com. Rate, review, and subscribe. Show us the love. We appreciate each and every one of you. Take us out. Everybody, remember: be nice. Wear a mask. Get vaccinated. Wear a mask. Aloha. Says you're gonna have 